0: All right, glad to be here. I mean, not just everyone says that, but after you flew, I've been flying since yesterday morning, started at five in the morning, and till late last night. So we we're, um, and I'm a pilot, so I do a lot of flying, but this was one of those long, long days. It's like going from London to over to here is just a long, long day. And so I'm glad to be here, more ways than one, and get my feet back on the ground. And airplane food is not that bad, but I don't want to live off it. <laughs> And this morning I want to bring you something here on some of the, I'm going to try to answer some hard questions regarding stewardship. Because there's, you know, someone told me years ago that said, someone said, if you give God your heart, he'll comb the kinks out of your head. Well, there's a whole lot of kinks up there about stewardship and money issues, and, uh, and, and uh, I'm saying the expert at it, but after 40 years in the ministry, we've got a little bit idea what we should or should not be doing, and uh, let's look at a biblical standard of the money. And so the first thing we look at is principles of stewardship. So when I say stewardship, what's a steward anyways? A steward is a manager of someone else's affairs, right? So uh, when I say principles of stewardship, this is principles of managing someone else's money. Well, what about managing my money? No, it's not your money to begin with. That's the misnomer. It's all God's money. And if you think it's your money, just go check it. Any funeral parlor, see if there's any money in the pockets. It's not there anymore. It's all worthless. The moment, the moment someone dies, that money belongs to someone else. Yeah, yeah, and by the way, if you don't have a will, you're not a good steward. I can park right there and say, if you don't have a will, you're not a good steward because there's one place you can tell where your money goes. And I've seen too many times where they left it behind and then the state gets it. Or the kids that were never came to see for the past 10 years, they're getting it. The one that's in jail now has got $100,000 401k plan and the, and the jail can say uh, you know this is reparations for his crime when he gets the money so we're going to take it away from him and give it to the people he hurt. So you, there, good stewardship involves many areas of life but it all starts with real primary stewardship is the issue of the heart. If you're looking to fill in the blank it's an issue of the heart. The Greek word for stewardship is what? House rule. Now that's simple. House rule, that's a simple phrase. But it doesn't mean the steward of a house, the steward of the house, I don't own the house, but I'm overseeing it. I manage it. The steward had the authority to conduct business in behalf of the owner, but he doesn't own the house. So when you are, know, we talked about the union steward, he doesn't own the company. Sometimes he thinks he does, <laughs> but the union steward, he conducts business in behalf of the owner. And so you and I are to conduct business in behalf of the owner, and who owns it? God is the rightful owner of everything. Compared to our day and time, a steward's authority was comparable to one who had the power of attorney. You know what a POA is? Anyone know what a POA is? Two people, great. (laughs) One of these days you'll learn about POAs, (laughs) because when you die, someone's gonna be a power of attorney. Hey, I, I just lost... Just lost my sister about right a week ago, and uh, she lived a long life. Okay, now what we're looking for is where's the power of attorney? You know, everything is frozen without that power of attorney. Yeah, and if you don't have one, you ought to get one. You can go on the internet. I mean, say California POA, a power of attorney, it probably costs you ten bucks. If someone or some are free out there, but get one of those. Otherwise, your whole estate's going to be tied up. And tonight, today, this morning, you had the power of attorney to act in the Lord's behalf. You don't own the money, but you got the power of attorney to act as if it was yours, but you can't go spend it any way you want because it belongs to God. That's the idea of a stewardship is someone who had the house rule. He had the power of attorney and for someone else. Although the steward may have managed great possessions, God is the ultimate owner of everything, isn't he? Yeah, when I think I own it, boy, I sometimes, boy, this is my car, and then uh, I find out the car isn't running so good. Then I say, Lord, this is your car. Take care of it. <laughs> yeah, the basis of stewardship. Number two, the basis of stewardship is the realization that all you possess belongs to God. If you got, if you got that one little kink in your head that you, it's yours, you got a problem with it. God has a problem with it because you might think it's yours, but as soon as you drop dead, it ain't yours. You're going to find out it really, it all belongs to God. It's none of it's yours. And, and sometimes we start to act like it's my money and I'll do whatever I want to do. I've had someone get mad at me and they said, you're not going to tell me what to do with my money. I said, nope, but God will. Yeah. Because God has some built-in laws about stewardship. What you know? One of the, I remember this verse so vividly, laws of stewardship. Whatever a man sows, that's what he's going to reap. Yeah. yeah. And so I mean, you're going to reap what, you, and a lot of young people are reaping what they sowed, uh, because truth is, don't get out with that one. Truth is relative to many young people today. <laughs> yeah. God help us. First Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 tells us we we're bought with a price. So now I say, when I realize I'm, I don't, own it why, why don't I own it, why do I do not own it? Because God owns it all. He paid the price for me. First Peter five, chapter 1, 18 and 19, you are not redeemed with corruptible things as silver or gold or vain conversations by the traditions of your fathers, but you were redeemed by the blood of Christ. So when I say my life is not my own, if we all got what we all deserve, we wouldn't be here. So we are our stewards and God paid the price to redeem us. He sent his only begotten son as a lamb without blemish and without the spot. And since you belong to God, it follows that your possessions belong to him. James 1:17 says teaches us that you are a steward. Every good and perfect gift comes from where? The the father of from a gift from above cometh down from the father of lights. First Corinthians 4 7. It teaches us God gives the increase. Well, I worked hard for it, but God gave you the job. God gave you the help to get that job. Yeah. God gave you some of the brains, you think you got the job, and now you got it, and find out sometimes you don't know as much as you just don't know. <laughs> and some of us have to have hire some of those people to find out they didn't know what they said they know. <laughs> Accepting the fact that you're a steward is easy, but accepting the implications of stewardship is not easy. I can, ac- I can consent. I am just a steward, but to really let go of that money and say it's God's money. Now, if you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. Sow bountifully, you reap bountifully. One of the things I've noticed in my life is when I sow bountifully... Not just my money. I showed my family, and said, so "We're going to serve God as a family." And now I'm at that stage in life. Our grandkids, our kids, serving the Lord. 3 generations, genera—in fact, in our family, we're not generation five generations of preachers. You know what that? It, it just didn't happen. It came because someone said back in way back in the 1800s, "We're going to." So, so we can glorify God, and then in the 1910, someone else was born. I'm going to glorify God, and so for five generations, everyone had had that commitment on my wife's side of the family. Now we got five generations of preachers, and nothing is more enjoyable to watch your kids stand up for God. Yeah. And there's nothing more heartbreaking to see a mom come down to court and try to bail her son out and find out he murdered somebody. Well, we never (laughs) murdered anybody, but we never told someone about Christ either, so (laughs) they're going to have a judgment. Oh, my, wow. This morning, money is not the root of all evil. Many people teach you that. Money is the root of all evil. But if money was the root of all evil, what about Abraham? (laughs) Abraham was wealthy. Was he evil? No. What about Job? Job had lots of money. Yeah. And what about Solomon? Yeah. You know, uh, David, a lot of money. It's money is not the root of all evil. You know, someone will. You know, I forget the character on television. I remember this as a kid, some called Flip Wilson or something, some crazy guy on television. Remember him? And he said money is the root of all evil. No, it's not you got your scripture all mixed up. It's the love. Right. Well, you say, I love money, yeah. But it, it's more than that. When you love money, you're craving after it. You want more and more. Now, it's, it's not wrong to say I'm going to be wise with my stewardship. It's not wrong to say that. And by being wise, I might perchance have more. I'm looking at it right now. Anyone trying to buy a ticket for Thanksgiving somewhere, fly a ticket? It's just gone crazy mean, you're talking about what used to be $179. they are like $1,000 tickets. And I said, I'm going to be a wise steward. Now, I know I want to go see my family. But 1000 bucks each way, why don't I give each of the grandkids 100 bucks? <laughs> and I'll still come out ahead. And we can FaceTime each other with Thanksgiving. My wife said, that's not the same. <laughs> I'm just trying to be a good steward. <laughs> and... Uh, Someone help me out of this one. How do I answer this question? (laughs) Wow, be a good steward. Now, if I ask my grandkids, you want the $100 you want me to come? Send me the $100. I can see my grandkids. They know what theirs. (laughs) Yeah, well, anyways, the love of money is not the root of all evil. The love of money is the root of all evil. Money is not evil in itself. And then giving, number four, giving is empowered by the Lord. Say, where did I get the power to give? Well, because God gives you the money. God gives the increase. The Bible tells us that very clear. That uh, giving was empowered by the Lord and is enacted by men. God gifts you with the ability to give. 2 Corinthians 2, 8, chapter 8, verse 1 through 5 tells us that. Paul notes that despite their poverty and afflictions, they gave extremely generous. I don't give to get. But it seems like when I do give, God turns a blue light special on just for me. You ever had that happen? <laughs> anyway, yeah. I, I, I'm confessing my sin one day. I, I, um, I was driving. My wife and I are in a hurry to get out of the house. We're going to Florida. All right, so we're driving down the highway. We've got down below Atlanta on 75. And my wife says, all of the blue. She said, did you pack your dress shoes for tomorrow? You're preaching tomorrow morning, yeah. I said, I don't know. I thought you packed it. She said, I don't touch your stuff. We didn't pack. So next thing she said, pull the car over, pull the car. We're not pulling over. I said, well, there's an exit up there. Pull up on the ramp. So we pulled up halfway up the ramp, got out of the car just to check to see if our dress shoes are in there for Sunday morning. Because it's not going to look good in uh, running. I'm going up there with my Nikes on. (laughs) Especially when they got the flashing lights on, clear, I'm jogging in the morning. <laughs> so we pulled over, and we're, we're looking through the truck, and sure enough, they were not in there. I don't know what in the world. And my wife said, we got to find a Walmart. Okay, okay. And we didn't have one. We have them flip phones. It doesn't have the smartphone that this thing has. But, so we pulled up to the up to the hill to the top of that ramp, then to go back down the other side of the ramp. We got to the top of the ramp. What'd you find over there? A Walmart store right at the top of that ramp. Woo! My son says, Dad, maybe we can go in there and find some shoes." All right, so we pulled over, and you know it's just it wasn't two hundred yards from the top of that ramp. There's a Walmart store. We went in there. And I knew that the shoes are usually way in the back, and the groceries are up in the front. You know how it is. So Some of you know your way around a Walmart. <laughs> so we go back and look at the shoes. And I'm looking at these pair of black shoes. I said, that's it. That, that might look nice for preaching here, but wow, this is how much they are. And uh, it was, I'm like $39.95. And my, I said, wait, and I tell my wife it's all because she, for, no, I forgot the pack. <laughs> I forgot the pack. Now we've got to spend $39.95. My son's over here, down this end of the aisle, and here's a pair of shoes identical. They're they're exactly the same, same size, ex- exactly the same. And this one says nine ninety five. Exact same shoe. So you know, I I thought this is a mistake. Cause there's like 150 of them at 39.95 over there. There, are were shelves in different sizes. But this is my size, and this is my size, and this says 9.95. We brought them both up to the cashier and got through there. And finally, it was our turn. I said, "Ma'am," she said, "You're buying both of those?" I said, "Nope, I just want to know which one's the right price. This one says 39.95. This is 9.95." She said, "Which one do you want to pay for?" What's it these? She scanned it. And she said, "There," and she threw them under it. 9.95. 10 dollars and it came out with 10 dollars and 50 cents tax. I'm trying to tell you God turns the blue light special on for those who are faithful to him. That's a good steward. And it's not being cheap it's just being wise. And God gives you wisdom to get that. And so here, giving is empowered by the Lord and giving is a result of godly, giving is a result of godly living. It's not a substitute for godly living. Some people say, well, you know, because I give, I'm a living godly. No, just because you give, you can give out of habit and have no, no heart in it. I, God loves a cheerful giver, but not a grudging giver. And once you've given yourself to the Lord, it's so easy to give your checks. You know, when, I don't know what you ever did. I, I've had sometimes times God just really prays on my heart about doing something, helping somebody out. He said, Lord, if, if I don't do this... They're going to be out in the street, and they need X number of dollars, this family. And I said, they're in a mess. And it just, the more I tried to ignore, it kept on bugging me all day long that you can do it, and they're going to be out in the street in about 30, 72 hours. <sighs> okay, Lord, you win. Yeah. And sure enough, I don't know, something... I got a tax refund from three years ago, and anyone knows I have a tax practice, and I don't let my refunds go three years behind. And here's some check came in the mail from the IRS from three years back. How did that get there? I don't know, but it was just a little bit over what I gave. Wow, that's, I'm trying to tell you, it, giving is hilarious. You say, well, that never happens to me. Well, start being hilarious with your giving. <laughs> Amen? Anyone else had some of the similar... Crazy thing to happen like you, like that? It happens. Okay. You know, I, I got people who are excited about giving because you don't know what God's going to do with your giving. But he's going to do something good because God's not evil. Giving is a, re, uh, is a result of godly living. And scriptural, uh, scriptural giving is consistent giving. Um, it's well planned. And, uh, and it's not haphazard. Uh, the Bible teaches they gave on the first day of the week, let everyone lay aside in store as God is prosperous. Now someone says, I don't get paid every week, so hey, you get paid every two weeks? tithe thought that. Uh, I, like to, I like to do this, and I think I learned this at pastor school, never let the plate go by without putting something in. Always want to do something. Um, Luke eleven forty two 42 says, these things ought you have done. Christ commended their giving but he rebuked their hypocrisy. And, and so you're giving, but if you're being a hypocrite, God's going to rebuke that. Number seven, scriptural giving is to be sacrificial giving. All right? Because it, every member gave, everyone doesn't give the same amount, but each person is commanded to give sacrificially. Giving should be well planned and consistent like the believers of the city of uh, Corinth be planned ahead of time, sacrificial giving. I, I, what's that verse? I, I will not uh, give that which costs me nothing is a phrase I'm trying to think of was in that context. That which costs me nothing. Uh, I'm, I'm saying we ought to give sacrificially. Number eight here, scriptural giving is to honor the Lord with the first fruits, not the leftovers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Proverbs 3, 9, they gave a tithe of, all. Now, someone says, "Brother Valier, do I tithe on the gross or do I tithe on my net?" Proverbs three nine. Do I give a, a tithe on the gross or I tithe on the net? What's the answer? Why? Because you want a gross blessing, not a net blessing. <laughs> yeah, because. The tithe, someone said, well, well, I got this inheritance and it was like $100,000, but then we had to pay the 401k, the taxes on that 401k when grandma died. So we ended up with like 87 out of that. So I'm going to tithe on 87. I want to tithe on a gross amount. <laughs> if you were some investors, you got so many tax deductions, you wouldn't even have to pay the tax. <laughs> but I'm going to tithe on gross uh, scriptural giving is to begin with the first fruits. They gave a tithe of all the increase on the backside. Many have suggested that the tithe is not valid for today. Well, that's the Old Testament. That's under the law. No, no, when you look at back, the Old Testament, it, it, was, it was part of the Old Testament law, yet the tithe appears many times in the first five books of the Bible. Abraham tithe, gave a tithe, and, and, and where, Abraham was that pre law. So it's, I've, you know, when people say, that's the Old Testament, that's under the law, we don't have to be under the law anymore. Well, listen, let's go back way before even the law, and we find Abraham gave a tithe. Jacob, and Jacob's tithe, Genesis 2, 28, verse 22, that was pre-law. In the very first book of the Bible, they, the tithe actually actually supersedes the Old Testament law. And the New Testament, the Bible teaches general, generally teaches consistent joyful giving not because you have to but you're giving because you want to and it's exciting to see what God's doing this this whole edifice this place is around here this church out in the middle of nowhere of a ungodly world and yet God raised up this place from people's sacrificial giving that's just a statement in itself we're living in the midst of ungodliness all around us, and you got a place where a couple hundred people want to come and get close to God. Yeah. Scriptural giving requires sacrificial giving. Many Christians reason that 10% is too much. Oh, that's too much. I can't afford to give 10%. <laughs> yeah, yet they forget that everything given to them was given by God. So you got 100% from God, you can't give 10%. Hey, let me at least put it this way. My grandkids, I got six grandkids. <laughs> Don't ask me to show pictures, I'll be here for the next half hour. <laughs> but <laughs> these grandkids, so they were over the house the other night. Friday night we had them over because I knew I, I knew I was going to be gone for a while and they went, all got to get there. So we gave the kids the jelly beans. All right, so the oldest one, he's six years old. All right. Now he gets a whole bag of jelly beans. And we told him, look, you probably have like 25 jelly beans in there. Is it wrong for me to say, give your sister one or two of those jelly beans? No, it wouldn't be wrong to say, hey, because why? He's still got 23 left if he gave his sister two of them. Oh, you know, and then give your other sister and give your other sister one. Well, uh, listen, he gave six jelly beans out. Is it wrong for me to say, the ought to at least give two, if he's got 25, he ought to give at least three of them away and he still has 22 left. And some people will say, the tide is too high. No, just look at it now. If I got 10 lollipops, is it wrong to tell my kid to give one and one away? Yeah. Yeah, you see, it, we start looking at it in that sense. Well, it's okay to give 10 lollipops. Well, you got $100, is it wrong for me to say give 10? God's, God's the Heavenly Father. Here I'm the Father, give my kid the 10 lollipops and say give one to your sisters over here, each one. There's three, you got seven left. Is there something wrong with that? No, but people will argue with you and say, that's too high. No, that's not too high. That's the place where we ought to give sacrificially. Number 10, a sacrificial giving. Many Christians say 10% is too high, yet that's, that's just the beginning where we ought to start. God teaches joyful giving, hilarious giving, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now, I don't mean you get up there and shake a leg and run around the auditorium, you know. Woo! All right, but I've seen times I just wanted to shout because after I did something like that, you know, all of a sudden this refund, I don't know where this refund came. Three years after I already paid, and got, I already got the refund. And then three years later, this refund came in for something I bought way back when I didn't know I had it coming. God's yeah, all the time too, brother. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. Uh, scripture giving requires private giving. Private giving, number 12, Private giving. Uh, do not your alms before men to be seen of men. I, I'm on the road a lot, so I mail mine in. And I like it even better. I like this now, the online giving. And some of these online companies, they're going to charge you 10%. So you give $100, they're going to charge you. Some are you know, less than that. But I want to make sure I pay the fee, because I am not going to make the church pay for that fee if I can help it. And it starts adding up. Um, scriptural giving is not motivated by a desire to appear spiritual I don't do it to make myself look good uh, you know I, I, no one had to tell me to that I didn't have to feed my wife after we got married that came with the territory <laughs> you know <laughs> don't make her beg for food well listen we're not begging for food over here at the church but it comes with the territory when you're a Christian you want to give to those you love yeah it, uh, Scripture giving is not motivated by a desire to be, appear spiritual, it is motivated by a desire to be obedient. 2 Corinthians 8 8 gives us promise, uh, proves that this says, prove the sincerity of your love. That's a good verse. You really love God, then prove it. Prove it. Yeah. Um, the blessing of the story, here's another section here, it, it glorifies God. That's the, the blessing, it glorifies God. Good stewardship assures physical provision for the church. And, and for this, this is a hospital for sinners. And you all like to say, well, we're, we're going to be saints, but we ain't, we ain't transliterated already into that sainthood yet. We're going to be living and ruling reigning with the Lord, but we're not there yet. In the meantime, let's see if we can't be part of an organization that gets more people to the gospel and brings more people to Christ. You know, if America just had a revival, we wouldn't wouldn't even have half the people on the ballot because they couldn't run. What we need is a revival in America, not a change of politics. (laughs) You know, what we need is a change of people. People's heart needs to be changed, and we're the salt of the earth. And the worldly people are doing just what they they would do because they don't know the gospel. They don't know the truth of the Bible. Or they're just harden their heart against it. Wow, that's politics. No, I'm not going to get into that one either. Good stewardship assures physical provision. 2 Corinthians 9, 6. If you reap sparingly, you shall reap sparingly. sparingly. So bountifully, shall reap bountifully. Proverbs 3, 9, and 10 tells us that. God's going to fill your barns with plenty. Yeah, I like that. I don't live in a barn, but I said, God sure blessed my my house I live in. And And you know what the biggest blessing? It's not more money. It's kids, grandkids who are wanting to serve God. And for five generations in our family. That's... That's something you that only comes because somebody did something right back in 1860 who lent their son in 1890 and then their son in 1929 and then their daughter in 1953 and then our daughter now in, in, in son in, in and ninety, it Just goes on and on and on. And that doesn't happen because you, you did something you had to do. You did it because you love God. And you're, you can tell kids your, your kids all day long, I love Jesus. They can see through it real quick. Yeah. Just look at how mama treats dad and how dad treats mom. You won't find out love in the home. Sometimes we don't see that. And now what have we got? Over 60% of the homes are broken homes. Yeah. Uh, good stewardship assures not, uh, assures not spiritual reward, not just spiritual reward, so it's, barely reap bound, uh, reach, uh, bonus, so it's bountifully shall, shall reap bountifully. Number four is bountifully. Number five on uh, section two here. Um, John verse eight tells those who can financially support the ministry. So why do we give? I, not only because I love God, because I want to support this ministry. I get, I'm getting behind the cause here. The cause is I want to see people get saved and, and turn this country around. But if we don't have a revival, God could shut it all down. And we need more than just a revival here. We need a worldwide wide revival. Just look at it. If we think we got it bad. You ought to go to London or, or some of these other countries out there. Uh, good stewardship, number six. Good stewardship assures spiritual joy. Uh, Acts 20, verse 35 is more blessed to give than to receive. That word, you know, blessed, it's like being hilarious. Hilariously happy. I like that. The, world, the, world ble- the word blessed means a genuine spiritual happiness. The word blessed, more blessed to give than to receive, it means genuine spiritual happiness. It is more blessed to give than receive. You want that spiritual happiness? Be obedient to God about the stewardship and, and get past this baby giving. You know, like I said, ten lollipops to tell my son to, grandson to give one to each of his sisters. but well, no, they're mine. Well, that's, that's almost the element that some people have in church. It's my money. They're not going to tell me what to do. Well, I'm going to just tell you, it's easy to do it. Well, it may be easy for you. No, when you do what God wants you to do, God changed your want-tos to ought-tos. And then you don't spend money on things you shouldn't ought to. And it seems to have more money after the end all over with. <laughs> does, it, does it matter where we tithe? Does it matter where we tithe? Someone you know, said, well, I, I, I heard this guy on a radio and he was really interesting. I couldn't believe a lady in our church, she said, Dr. Veyer, I wrote this check to Gardner Ted Armstrong and the world tomorrow. He sounds so good. You what? And then she had no idea what she's given to. The world tomorrow. And it sounded like, you know, the guy sounded like he knew something on, he had a nice voice, yeah? Well, just because he's got a nice voice doesn't mean you ought to get to the guy, find out his background. Besides, your tie belongs to the local church. I want to support the missionaries of my local church. yeah. And so it does matter where you tithe, and I believe the Bible teaches clearly it's the local storehouse. The local church is the primary means which God is working in in this age, a local New Testament church. And therefore your tithe and offerings should be given to your local church. You know, my son and my dad, when I was in high school, he said, I got a job uh, delivering newspapers, and I got, finally I went and worked inside the press room. And, and we started making some pretty good money, $2 an hour. But minimum wage is a dollar and a quarter. Remember that? Some of you remember that you got two bucks and you went from a buck and a quarter. And dad said, Now you got to start paying room and board in this house. Got to carry your share. Wait a minute, I'm only 16. He said, You want to sleep outside? No. (laughs) You know, but the option was you got to be part of the program here. Your tithe should be given to the general fund, your offerings. So I, I like to tell people, I don't belong to the church of the designated tithe. The tithe is the Lord's already. Now, if you want to go over and above the tithe and say, look, I want to have a special offering coming in here for missionary Sam Smith or whatever, and he's, got the, he's representing some place in Timbuktu, and, and we really like this guy. He's really sacrificing. Look, that's over and above your tithe, but don't take your tithe and switch it to Sam. Because this is the local church. This is where your tithe belongs. So I believe we ought to buy tithe to the local church. If you're going to give over and above to that, hey, I, I, I can say I can give to missions, but I'm not giving my tithe to missions. And that's an extra faith promise. That's it. What does it mean? Faith. You're giving by faith over and above. Some people have switched it. Well, I didn't like what the preacher said last Sunday, so I'm going to switch it from tithe to over here missions. That's not right. That's not right. Yeah, and you say, well, it's all missions. <laughs> no, a hey, tithe is going to take care of the local church. The mission is going to take the worldwide world, world reach. Uh, and uh, so that should, I, should I tithe of them in debt? This is a good one. Should I tithe of them in debt? Usually people who are in debt, is assi- it's already a sign that they're not tithing. <laughs> I'm not saying if you do tithe, you get out of debt. But when you do tithe, you'll spend less money foolishly. And you'll find that like us, God turned a blue light special on just for us when we pulled off at that Walmart store. How <laughs> many ever had something like that happen? Just you can't explain it, but it just happened. Yeah. Boy, there's what seven hands went up here. It's hilarious. Oh my. Yeah. <laughs> Someone calls up and you won this prize, and I thought, beware of a schemer with a smile, too. <laughs> The tithe, yes, you ought to tithe tithe if you're in debt. Delayed obedience is really disobedience. Yeah, that's a, (laughs) write that one down. Delayed obedience is disobedience. And you if they, I apply that to even my kids. I told you to do something. Do I have to say it twice? God tells us this morning, I'm telling you, Delayed obedience in this matter of stewardship is disobedience. Begin tithing now. If you haven't been doing it, start now. The quickest way out of debt is, the quickest way out of debt is simply to stop spending. What do you got to stop? Well, maybe you can, hey, how about cutting off the cable television? <laughs> oh, oh, oh I've got to watch the football game. What's more important, obedience or your football? I watched it's some guy in the front of me the other day. I don't know how they did this in the airplane, but he has a little cell phone there, one of those, I have 12 or 11 number, and he had it up there, and he was watching a football game, and I forgot team, whether it was, they're all red. I think it's Auburn or something in Georgia. And uh, I'm watching this thing. Look, I don't have to go spend all that money for it. And, if I, and I did watch. I didn't know who the players were. I mean, they did some fancy stuff. And, I, yeah, I, I, well, a good way to pass a couple hours on an airplane. <laughs> Delayed obedience is disobedience. So we ought to start tithing now. And the quickest way out of debt is simply stop spending. Is money, is money I pay for my, Christian, my kids' Christian education? So your kids come to this Christian school. Is that your tithe? Now, there's some people who will say, "Well, uh, it's money I'm giving to the church." No, you got a contractual relationship. Your your contract here, and you signed to pay for your kids to someone to teach your kids. Either you're going to teach them at home, or you're going to send them over here, or you're going to send them to Devil State University and let them teach you, teach your kids. And so, your tithe is not the tuition you pay here. That's a contract any more than your car payment is not your tithe. So, uh, yeah, Christian education is not part of the tithe. The, the money paid for Christian school is simply a contractual agreement for services rendered and should be not considered as a tithe. Now, number five down here, what is a QCD? I might see maybe two or three of us might know what a QCD is. Uh, if you have done your own taxes this year, you, you find what it's, a change in the tax law is now it's $28,000 married, filing joint. It's somewhere around that number. I maybe mean, a little higher now. But the standard deduction is, and so we used to fill out the Schedule A. Some of us remember that, and you put, here's your tithe, and here's your taxes, and your medical, and how many miles you drove to the doctor, and all the prescriptions you had to write down, all the stuff, and you got hours worth of work where the government says, just get rid of it all. And you'll get rid of a lot of cheats too, throwing numbers down there. There's a lot of people. And I asked one guy, I said, what did you give to Goodwill last year? He said, well, I gave a bedroom set to, to the Goodwill. Yeah. And I said, well, how much did they tell you? How much was it worth? He said, oh, they said it was $800. They told you, 800. no, they said put a number down. So I put $800. You can't deduct that anymore, forget it. So what we are to do, and you say, I can't deduct my tithe. Well, you can deduct only a small portion. The max is $300 for single, 600 for married. If you're up there over the $28,000 in deductions, you might be able to take some of those. For me in my house, take the simple easy easy form, take the (laughs) 28,000, that's enough to get us down to where we don't pay a whole lot of taxes. Then you're doing an IRA on top of that. But the QCD is for those who are 70 and a half. And so I don't know too many people who are over 70 and a half that are giving over $28,000 so they can't deduct anything. And then on top of that, they got Social Security, and then you got something called the RMD, Required Minimum Distribution. You don't know those words yet, but you will soon learn them when you get there in your 50s or 60s. You'll know what an RMD is, because when you reach a certain age, you've got to start drawing all that money you've been putting in your retirement fund. You've got to start taking it out. And even if you don't take it out, you're still going to get penalized for leaving it in. So you've got to do the required minimum. So what a QCD is, a qualified charitable distribution. Since I can't deduct my tie, now I can go and say to my broker, that, has, that handles my investments or my retirement funds or wherever it is, I can go tell them, don't send me the check for their RMD. Send it directly to my church. Or some will say, I'll send it to you. Made it out to your church. Therefore, it doesn't show up as income. And if it's not income, then, you, then your income is lower and you don't pay tax on your Social Security benefits because your income is lower yeah, and you get to t- take the $28,000 standard deduction. Boy, you've got all these deductions, plus you're not being taxed on the income for taking money out of the retirement. Now, if you take money out of your retirement now and you're, you're under 55, you're going to pay. You're going to pay a penalty, early withdrawal penalties, and you're going to pay. Uh, the QCD is not for that age group. It's for those who are up there 65 and up and have to do the RMD, required minimum distribution, and you can have the money sent directly to your church. Anyone up there, the age group, and you have to start taking money out of your retirement, just have, instead of tithing out of this pot called uh, my regular income, tithe out of this long-term savings retirement. Tithe out of that bucket. you got two checking accounts or you got an investment account, you got a checking account. Tithe out of the investment account so you don't pay any tax on it. It never shows up as income. Um I, I had a lady some about a year ago, no, two years ago, she wanted to she wanted to build a gymnasium for the church. Boy, you're talking about big money. Yeah. She paid for the whole thing. Yeah. And what did they do? They they took the money out of the retirement fund. What? Yeah. See, what they did is she had a retirement and he had a retirement. They're triple dippers. You know, the, the guy that went through the military, then he got, went to work for the government afterwards, plus he had a 401K and another job. So he's, he's a triple dipper. He's getting three things, and she's got the same thing, and they've got some pretty good-sized money in these retirements. And Dr. Vetter, we're going to have to start drawing this out at 70 and a half. We've got to take it out. And, uh, and I learned that, and I said, okay. I said, now, what else do you got? And she said, well, we sold the family farm Oh no, you sold the family farm. Yeah, and now we're gonna be taxed on that too. Because they've been depreciating the farm down and all the equipment down. Now they just sold it all, equipment and everything. You're gonna get oh you're gonna get clobbered. I said, here's what you want to do. Don't tithe on the sale of that farm. Don't tithe on that bank, that account, that bucket. Take it out of here out of the retirement fund. She was able to give a hundred thousand, and then he gave a hundred thousand in December. In January, she gave 75, he gave 75. There's 350, that built the gymnasium. Just basic metal shell basketball court inside. And therefore, they gave over 350,000, which means they didn't pay any tax on the sale of the farm. There's some good ways you can do that if you were that age group. And if you've got questions on that, don't be hesitate, just call me anytime. We can help you, help you with that. We're out of time right now. Uh, should you tithe on inheritance? Yes, you ought to tithe on inheritance. And should I tithe from an insurance check? Yeah, you got gotten an accident. or I don't know if any of you are to hear from Fort Bragg, North Carolina, but boy, there's some billions going to be given out there. I know at least two or three preachers who I've known in the ministry over the years, and one of them died and because of the drinking water down at Fort Bragg. It was, it was polluted, polluted bad. They knew it all these years. Covered it up. So anyways, uh, the, the, should you tithe on the insurance check? Yeah, you ought to tithe on the insurance check. And should you tithe on your lottery winnings? Definitely. <laughs> Some people said, well, the devil's had it long enough, so I'm not going to tithe on it. First of all, if you've you got a lottery winnings, it tells me you've got your wrong values. Because the odds of your winning are way out of there. And that's a form of gambling, and we don't want any part of that. Let's bow our heads and pray and ask God to give us that which we've learned. Thank you, Lord, for blessing us today. Thank you for these little simple truths this morning. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to get wisdom. Be faithful in our stewardship. Bless us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.